You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two, five, ten, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. What you've been waiting for, ready to talk about the best film of the year, Barbie. Finally, we're Finally. doing the Barbie review. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. I just checked my schedule. What? Oh, no, no, we... no. We're talking about Oppenheimer. Oh, you know, yeah. I thought I wasn't invited to the Barbie premiere. <laughs> uh, well, you were going to party. <laughs> you were invited. I was invited and I was promptly turned away. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. It'll happen. Wait, I have to see this bullshit movie instead. <laughs> No, come on. I mean, they're basically the same movie, right? Isn't that what we've all been told now? I don't know. They've been portman- you tell me. portmanteaued <laughs> into one word, Barbenheimer. Apparently, people are going to actually try to see both these on the same day. And to those people, I'm like, I'm sorry. Man. You've made a horrible mistake. That's a lot of movie every one day. And two movies. I like. There's got to be a right answer for which one to see first. I'd say Barbie, Barbie, Barbie second. Yeah, but I don't, I'd say Barbie second. Yeah. You need a, a but palate then cleanser. Gonna, but then you're going to have to go... You know, you're you'll be tired. <laughs> I don't want to be tired. And some candy after all the cigarettes and, the, and alcohol. Yeah, and the pensive like you know contemplation that you go after seeing Oppenheimer. Like, yeah. wait, when's the next showing of Barbie? Like, fifteen minutes. Fuck. Uh, like, okay, <laughs> I might do it. I'm young enough. Uh, you, I still you, got it in me. You have a lot of pep. Well, well, you've yep. already seen Oppenheimer now, because that's what we're here to review. Yeah, yeah, I might see it again. Yeah, I, I know you're the the, the invited Nolan fanboy. Two characters would, having existential crises. Though, myself as that. <laughs> hey, I love I love Christopher Nolan. I love half of his films, and I love all of them except for one. Wait, which one don't you love? Don't love Tenant. Okay, and I know you do. I I now I've been tenant pilled. Oh uh, my it, god! It, it unlocks Here these doors. Some may no, open. I don't with... even know what that means anymore. <laughs> Oh. I saw it once. I was like, okay, because I couldn't hear anything. Right, we live in a twilight okay, world. Okay, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of, that's right. Hi. And also joining us are Nathan, Drew, and I'm Chris. And yeah, we're going to talk about Oppenheimer, which of course is the deeply anticipated new Christopher Nolan film. Even though Tenet was definitely, you know, no offense to Nathan, well maybe a little, uh, <clears throat> was had came out to mixed reviews to say the least i was mixed when i saw it <laughs> what the fuck i think we because you you saw it a few times or four times now yeah, I inverted a blunt and no I one forced you to do that it. which is crazy the one thing we can all agree on here is how much fun it is to make fun of nathan's opinion that's fair <laughs> look that's fair i appreciate it because at least you went back and you're like you know what i found something actually kind of good about this and like good did the sound change <laughs> Well, huge plus for Oppenheimer is you actually hear every single character. Holy and you, shit. Yeah, you, Holy you, you, know, shit. you can yeah. hear their dialogue. Every single person yeah. you can understand very, very yes. clearly. Generally Massive speaking. improvement. There are no one's few, wearing a mask. There are a few moments I was like, what? But, you know. Well, that's because they're talking speaking. so much yeah. and so much so fast. It well, would no. be strange if Killian Murphy and Matt Damon were talking about the nuclear bomb while wind sailing wearing masks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, this is actually based on the 2005 biography American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherman about the real person this time, J. Robert Opp- Oppenheimer. This really happened. And although there's no time travel, it's certainly not a t- story told lin- in a linear fashion. No. Uh, because it's still a Christopher Nolan film. Yeah. You go Chris- back to the beginning of his career, and that's literally his whole shtick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He likes to tell movies in different temporalities. He yeah. refuses. <laughs> exactly. And of course, if you don't know who J. Robert Oppenheimer is, he's one of the head scientists at uh, Los Alamos at the, the Trinity Project, the Manhattan Project, which led to trinity the first testing the atomic bomb he's uh, a quantum uh ex- what is it what's the tra- exact term quantum uh, physicist or quantum yeah, quantum mania quantum theorist oh, shut up my god <laughs> <laughs> is, is oppenheimer gonna be in the kang dynasty <laughs> he's, he's a quantum mechanic yeah quantum he's mechanic. a part of the the mcu now <laughs> but who was one of the major minds you know in uh this field when even in america he was the only one initially really mm-hmm. uh who was Going, look, um, I think every scientist in the world, once they split the atom, realize where this is going. Somebody's going to build a bomb because World War II was already happening. Mm-hmm. So then it was the race because we can't let Germany have the bomb before us because, well, they're Nazis, which is, you know, a general good reason to stop At anyone from doing anything they want to do. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, now. <laughs> years ago. We're the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should still punch Nazis in the face. No, we should. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, so, uh even though, you know, he's a very much a free thinker, uh, 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 super left-leaning, but n- not so far as to fall s- completely into uh, communism. Yeah. Although there was a lot of communist symp- uh, sympathizers in the United States at that point. Um, and he was friends with many of them. <laughs> Nonetheless, that, that made it a little hard for him to get the, you're okay to do this, to head up this project. But really, ultimately, it sounds like he was really the only real choice for it. Um, Matt Damon plays a, a general who is uh, I forget his name. Uh, who who uh, Leslie Groves, General Groves, General, yes, general Groves, Groves, who yeah. is the one basically going, "Look, we want you for this." And also, Matt Damon always bulletproof as a look, supporting. Proving actor. your point that Matt Damon, whenever he plays a supporting actor, you're always like, "Okay, he's one of the best parts of the film." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's much better than I thought he was going to be because I thought he was a little out of place when I from the from the uh, previews. But yeah, sure. Yeah, it yeah. like is like too Matt Damon ish. Like, yeah, a almost, little bit of stunt casting. He's almost comic relief, but playing the straight man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because he's playing the straight man, but his <clears throat> scenes all tend to have a tone of humor to them. Well, it's, it's all this like again the the severity of the of the whole situation of like what their ultimate goal is and what they ended up producing because it's, it's like Titanic. Like you know what they did mm-hmm. and and having that tr- dramatic irony and then with Matt Damon's character. Uh, you know, trying to move this whole train to its destination and being, you know, not being totally transparent about like other intentions of what they're going to do with these things, uh, mainly the bomb and Hiroshima. Uh, it has this like he could be coy and it's funny, and but at the same time you're kind of like, oh, uh, <laughs> like, it's it's always like anytime there's levity in the movie, you're just like oh, that was really funny. Oh fuck! I forgot. Uh, never mind. Like you're just like you're brought back into reality. But it has an enormous cast. I mean, Jesus. it's just ridiculous. Literally well, every white person in the world. Every white person in the world is in this movie, pretty much, including Wright. Yeah, when you were like, 
<laughs> and you were like, yeah, we were like, oh, remember those scenes that we shot last time? Yeah, 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 it was great. Yeah. Wait, was I an Oppenheimer? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, there's a point towards the end where Macon Blair appears and, and Wright gets all excited because I mean, Macon Blair's great, but yeah. you're a big fan. Big fan and of I was his, like, yeah. well, that's just because they ran out of all the other actors. They were like, I think he's the only one not in this movie. There were yet, quite a few so. genre actors that popped up on this Wright got up yeah. like, like when Andrew Garfield gets out of the portal in Spider-Man. No way when showed up. <laughs> 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 he's just pointing at the screen like Leonardo DiCaprio in the meme. Oh, yeah. Right? I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, there were plenty of people just to kind of like, holy shit, yeah. Josh Hartnett back? Yeah, Josh Hartnett, who I was like, <laughs> wow, he's still acting? Uh, <laughs> he was great in it, though, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think everybody's pretty good in this, but uh, the for the main characters here, you've also got Emily Blunt as uh, Kitty Oppenheimer, eventually his wife, and then before that, Florence Pugh as Gene Tatlock, an early love in his life. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is Louis Strauss, who is a uh, I never was in a hundred percent sure what he was running. He was running some sort of institute, like he's he's not a scientist. Wait, was he was like in charge a, of getting scientists post all the you know post the war? Yeah, yeah. And he the, hired the, AE, the AEC had been created, but that was the Atomic Energy Commission. But yeah. I think he, that had been committed uh, created afterwards. I think, or like kind of yeah. dur- uh, right around that time. Uh, it would definitely help if you did a little bit of Wikipedia or write a paper back in high school about Oppenheimer. <laughs> Uh, college college uh so just to know like what some of the things they're talking about and like when these things were happening uh, yeah. i mean it's they they ex- you know they explain the dates but it's still just like wait it, so he's it, he's on his side initially and then things turn yeah. well i mean because the, the film being non-linear it just goes <clears throat> back and forth through multiple different time periods and it's clear early on that He's in some sort of trial or something, and as it goes along, okay, so it's like about him getting security clearance post, uh, you know, well post the war of keeping his security clearance. Yeah, and it definitely seems like a kangaroo court type of situation. You're like, but why? Because you're also seeing scenes like just post the war, where he's being hailed as this huge American hero, and on the cover of Time magazine, what happened? What happened was. People using communism as a, you know, scapegoat, as a, as a scapegoat to it, yeah. get anything they want. And um, this was basically uh act of revenge. <laughs> well, <laughs> Oppenheimer getting the security clearance is like a through line through the entire movie where yeah. it seems like he almost wants to, you know, have have himself justified um, by finally getting it because he's had so many questions against him, even when he's making the bomb and when, even right. when the process is happening. So. And that, that goes all the way through the end of the film, which started to kind of play out like a courtroom drama a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, I think that's the, the biggest uh, point about it is that it's not just so he can just still know what the hell's going on. Is it like so that he can try to get in the way of this? Like, wait, he now understands the severity of what he's done. And he's not necessarily articulating it 100% because... He himself doesn't know how he feels about he it. He doesn't know exactly how he feels because he did this. Yeah. Uh, he initially created it. And so now knowing, like, you know, the, the famous footage is like, I'm the destroyer of worlds. And it's like, well, so how do you reconcile with yourself? And you get to see that through Cillian Murphy's uh, uh, performance, which, man, it's so nuanced and interesting. I agree. Yeah. And ultimately tragic because i was talking about this with nathan on the ride here is like it's just he's damned yeah like you can't how do you how do you work out of this i mean i think they argue well yeah his point of his decision making process Mm -hmm. and him knowing that this is these are morally questionable decisions he is having to make himself but you know what do you do like really i mean he himself is jewish obviously doesn't want the germans to win the war but by the time we drop the bomb 
it was on the Japanese. We had already beaten Germany. So there was a lot Hitler of was already dead. people in science yeah. going like, why are we doing this? And they get into the argument, of, which you really have to understand, to understand nuclear proliferation of the fact that we, the, the goal was to stop war by the threat of complete uh, mutually assured destruction. Right. Uh, and that being an argument at the, even at the time, like we're doing this knowing the Russians will probably do it too, but either way, if everybody has them, nobody drops them. Questionable logic, but it's worked so far. <laughs> I also like that the movie, the movie had never, like, it allows him to be a voice of reason, but it doesn't make him less of a conflicting and interesting figure in mm-hmm. his decision making, even outside of the bomb. Yeah. yeah. No, he made the active decision as a, as a man, uh, just to say, I see the horrors of what I've done. But I have to bat. I have to button up and play the role of a per- of a person who's proud of what they did, so I can influence policy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's. A, I mean, he definitely not every decision this guy made was was great. But I mean, they're not showing a a hero making a hero out of Oppenheimer. They're showing a, a flawed human being who was definitely brilliant. But man, he it, you can't salute him as a hero. Uh, I, I read somebody go, I'm not going to watch that movie about the the monster that created the atomic bomb. It's like, look, man, <laughs> it's I mean, a little more complicated than that. It's in, it's fascinating to understand. Like it's, it's stories like this where you hopefully learn something from it. Like, you know, we're supposed to learn from history. I don't know. If we're, <laughs> maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's films like this and stories like this to see that this, even this person who ultimately created something that can destroy us all and he is now understanding the errors of his way and trying to fix it and and knowing the system that we created for ourselves like politically they were making it so hard for people to either speak up or even think about like people should have equal rights and uh and then shooting them down because it's it's in that era as well with like you know communism and uh and even now like with socialism ever being talked about like whoa 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 commie and like you don't fucking understand it's like all people want is just make sure they have a roof over their heads food and healthcare. i would like that's get about it i would like to salute christopher nolan for making the maybe the first ever film set in the this period that didn't constantly use songs to to show you what time it was no and so there was (laughs) deafening sound effects to intercut things the music is can we talk about like just the technical side of this the sound design totally incredible and i didn't realize that it was ludwig uh, gorenson yeah who did tenant with him as well yeah Mm, which is your feelings on tenant aside a really strong score yeah even if it covers up a lot of what people are saying (laughs) still kind of sounds like hans zimmer yeah still kind of this guy sounds like he he has a Hans Zimmer feel to him, and it, but that's okay. It also felt like he got a little bit from Johnny Greenwood. There is like this, like a lot of percussive, a, a, a percussive, but also like strings that sounded like a little bit like there, there will, will be blood. blood. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. I was just like, wait, did Johnny Greenwood yeah. do this? And I do feel like the, a warning is indeed warranted here because I mean, obviously, you know, there's going to be at least one big boom in yeah. this film, but <laughs> no, for it's. It constant like the movie just keeps bombarding you with really startling out of nowhere sequences of like bright flashing lights and and like and crazy loud really loud sounds it's a very loud movie yeah, throughout and it, and it often does it with no warning so yeah just, to, to really bring you into his mindset though yeah yeah yeah, yeah no i'm not criticizing the choice oh, no no, I'm no just 100% saying, warning i know people, people who would have to walk out of this film because oh, they'd be like i can't i can't take that like if you had any sort of uh, P, like ptsd from war 
this may not be your movie. Yeah, yeah not at all. <laughs> like there, there's a, a fantastic uh, like motif of sound that he uses. Like it's like a train like chugging along, mm-hmm. but like they they use it towards a, a certain sequence where it's actually people like stomping their feet, and <clears throat> it's so effective. And then when when since there's music and sound effects all throughout the film, and there are moments in the film when there's no sound, it is or very minimal at least. It is so fucking effective. Yeah, and they're using sound to to dictate time as well, too. Yeah, which is obviously something that no one does all the time. But I I like how they kept they kept doing that because they knew that they were going to be a part of history, especially Oppenheimer did. And mm-hmm. it's also like like you said, like internalizing like. He's kind of seeing the universe in his whole head, trying to figure everything out, and that's kind of being, you know, uh, personified with all like the sound that's happening, but also having them have to like deal with history and know that this that the world's going to know what they did for years and years and years to come, and that's there's like echoes of that throughout the entire film that kind yeah. of end up catching up at the end. So I, I thought it was interesting that we actually see several scenes with Einstein, played by Tom, more theater actor Tom Conti. Uh, but I kind of felt like this film would have been a little better if, like, it turned out that he was just imagining him the whole time, and he was always playing practical jokes. <laughs> There's like, one shot of like, Einstein in this where he comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It's I, like I was, drawing, like, I was like, wait, it's what? like <laughs> Drop Dead Fred, except it's Einstein, right? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's just like, of course, Einstein would be his imaginary friend, uh, like that. Because there is that one scene. It's like. Wait, where did you come from? <laughs> it's like there's just Einstein's lying about. Like, what the fuck's going on? This place is lousy with Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the actor who saves, uh, who uh, fixes Batman's back in Dark Knight Rises. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Blew your mind. I mean, the thing about this movie is it's filled with great performances. I mean, every actor in the world is in it, uh, and a lot of that, the performances are just notably stellar especially Killian Murphy who's just this is the performance of his career so far right? my god yeah. like it's great and and you know, you know Nolan is doing his thing so if much seen of Nolan the movie films, is hinged on just close-ups of Killian Murphy's face it's true as worthy was the advertising um but, <laughs> but you know I mean it is still a Nolan film and I think generally speaking people who are who were like I'm not really a Nolan I know plenty of people who are like I'm just not really a Nolan person that's partially because of the very 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 long running times and this is no exception it's three hours almost on it's the longest dot. Film. it's three hours it's, and one minute maybe a little long it's it's very long and it definitely at points felt i felt it yeah. it's like okay i i felt like this could be a half hour shorter um yeah it does drag in the middle for- it, it it's not necessarily in the middle it's at like the two hour and 15 mark yeah mm-hmm. when you feel it's like wait a minute so now there's still an extra 45 minutes left yeah. and you fucking feel it yeah. and there there are times i was thinking in my head because my mind started to wander when because it is a very talky movie um that was like you know i wonder if this would have been cooler if it was like a mini series or something like yeah. that well, i no, mean no. I, I find that often i feel that way about historically based pieces sure um that i would have liked to i feel like we could have put more in here with that as well but, i mean and plus yeah. you don't have the um you know it's it's a movie i'm like i wish i had my own imax theater so i could watch it in like three parts and just take a break for an hour and go do something else in between and then come back to it. Because I did. I was like, man, this is good. It's really good. But man, it's fucking long. Uh, I was feeling it uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but I, f- I felt that way about most of his films. Like, this is longer than it needs to be. Uh, and like I said, with all the sound and fury of his, his movies, the editing, quick editing, the uh, the nonlinear storytelling. If you don't like those things, you're not going to like this one either. I hate to tell you. But also, if you're more into him for his science fiction and 
and you know th- that's not this type of movie. No. This is a real story. And this is his most mature film to date. Yeah, I mean, I think he was trying something like that with Dunkirk, but Dunkirk worked for me okay. Yeah, I just oh, didn't man. think it was all that interesting. This one is deeply interesting. It's just again, well, long. The thing about Dunkirk is it really isn't a character study, whereas yeah. this is a hundred percent. Yeah, a it's about study. this man. Yes, uh, and you. And I'm sure there's a, a certain amount of conjecture involved here. Yeah. But yeah. he created a someone who feels fully blooded, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he's... Uh, Killian Murphy's in it, like, what, 99% of the fucking movie? And like, Easily. My God. And I remember uh, hearing and reading some uh, interviews with Christopher Nolan, and he gave it to him, and he was like, kind of shocked. He's like, holy shit, he wants me to play this. I'm like, I'm on every fucking page. And it's like, that must be so intense to, like realize like it's like that's what you're doing and and again for a christopher nolan movie because the way this is like marketed it, it it's it seems like a, a huge blockbuster movie which it is it's it, it's kind of an epic but it's still it's just a character study yeah. <laughs> like, it just but it just happens to be about person oh. about a person who's kind of responsible for kind of gonna be the great magic trick if this movie does really well mm-hmm. it's like we've convinced everybody that an adult drama is a blockbuster I mean, part of the problem that it's three hours long and that that means it can't play as many screenings yeah. so it'll mm-hmm. there'll be a you have to take that into account when looking at ultimate box office for it certainly mm-hmm. it's gonna skew a little older too with older audiences yeah. and they are just not coming out as much this as they a, used to this is a dad movie no question about there. Ever mm-hmm. was it this? Take your dad to go see this and Ford Ford versus Ferrari. Man, is there like dad's the gonna be talking about Nam? Dad, dad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Um, yeah, Barbie is gonna beat it in the box office. Like I have no well, yeah, question. No if not for anything else that I feel Barbie, like the I've cross, never heard of this movie. The cross appeal this? on that has become. Who knew that that movie would have so much cross appeal? But it does. So shit, people are losing their minds about it already. Also, Barbie is rated PG thirteen, and yeah. this is rated R. Also, it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, it's an hour and a half. Well, it's something like that. It's two okay. hours. It's two hours. Is it two okay. hours? Hour and fifty nine minutes. Okay. Know. Well, either way, that's a full hour short. I guess I am doing. It is a full hour short. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but anyway, we're not here to have the Barbenheimer dispute. These films like each other, right? They're friends. I don't yeah. give a shit. You they, got to see it. God damn it! Yeah, it was so good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's get a final thoughts. Right, get us started. Man, uh, I think just like on a technical level, um, it's kind of incredible. Like. It is all shot in IMAX, so everything just looks so big. Even just, it's funny looking at this very pedestrian shots of just like, of a car driving up a driveway or something like that. It's like, this looks amazing. <laughs> and uh, and what I, I, it's, I have to think that when, when they do a lot of close-ups, which the close-ups are just so cool that they use such a large lens and camera to to showcase uh, you know a person's features uh it has to be so hard to focus uh because if you just like move in like a centimeter you're out of focus mm-hmm. and like there are a couple of shots when i was like oh man uh with robert downey jr i remember specifically where he moves a little bit and like there's just portions of his face that are out of focus and it's like it's it's a very hard thing to do but overall it, it's just a technical marvel really and Thank God everyone was complaining enough since Dark Knight Rises about his audio sound uh, engineering and mixing 
that I, I, I'm assuming he just made his own decision to finally fix these things and did not listen to anyone's complaints. And he's like, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll do this. This it was my idea. Yeah, it's my idea. Uh, I like, always meant to do. This. Yeah, it's like sure you did. Um, <laughs> I bet the studio like he he did he could do that at WB the universe like all right now enough of that shit okay it's like you're not doing that fucking over here got it we'll listen we'll release it in the theaters not on a streaming but you fix your fucking audio and I'm like, all right fine but um and the performances are fantastic i think that uh uh killian murphy's oppenheimer man that's um i hope really good things for him because he just commits it so fucking well and everyone else like emily blunt florence Pugh, robert Downey jr is so good in it as yeah. like a, a foil to him and and all the supporting characters yeah it's just it's a just a deeply fascinating movie and just such a uh, like a, in a, an odd way there's a you know once of course they're going to test the bomb and you see it that sequence leading up to it is some of the most thrilling thing thrilling sequence i've seen in years and just like i i almost thought i was like oh, I, I mean i know what happens but it's like are they all gonna die like what's gonna happen because you you it's still the same thing. It's like, well, is is the ship going to actually hit the iceberg? Like, I, I don't know. It's a, it's yeah. a Nolan film. Yeah. It might be like, and that's when he split into a parallel universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the planet burn. If if Tarantino did Oppenheimer, like maybe yeah. they did all die. Sure. Uh, but anyway, at the end, Oppenheimer personally machine guns Hitler. <laughs> yeah, with with Einstein. Yeah, right. They do say Hitler they, is dead in the film. They just didn't say how. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. We don't know. It was Hitler. It's like. Goodbye. I believe uh, that was the Autobots, though. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I really did love this movie. It was a little long, um, but uh, I can definitely forgive that because I was just like enthralled by the entire thing. Um, so I'm going to give it um, nine and a half out of ten raindrops that mean a lot more now than I thought they did, especially <laughs> them being the opening shot. Chain reaction. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Drew? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I, I got more and more excited about this film um, as I got closer to it. And I also ended up watching the biography um, that it's based on that's on Peacock. And I also remember like I was telling you guys that I saw the Metropolitan Opera um, um, performance of, of Dr. Atomic. Hmm. And it's this kind of modern opera that really goes through the same story, just just sings it. And uh, it shows Oppenheimer's problems with his wife, and it shows it leads up to the test. It doesn't really deal with the aftermath as much and what happened to Oppenheimer, but it is a, it, it just like um, no one's film. It's like it's it's about judging the man and him judging himself the entire time. Uh, so I, so I, I I love that whole aspect of it of of watching his life and um, establishing him first and making him really likable, and then having Oppenheimer really re, like he basically recreated himself and like he was not a popular person he kind of became um what he wanted to become and i liked how they really made him suave and a womanizer and and that's really i guess kind of how he was and i think he was <laughs> acting quite a bit of the time he became more of a politician than a scientist and i like that back and forth a lot between the scientists and the politicians where it, they all started out more liberal and then because of this necessity to make this bomb they had to keep kind of convincing themselves that it was um, okay to make it they knew they were smart enough to make it but you know it's the whole idea of like, you know should you, should you actually should you? should you actually do it but that yeah. question doesn't really come up too much in in the film he's which which i like it's not about like is oppenheimer a bad person or a good person but they do a good job of of making um 
making him kind of the hero and then the villain. Uh, so you can kind of go both ways with it. And I think that's why the back half of it that's a little slower is justified, because if you do feel that way, you can say, oh, OK, well, maybe maybe he did. Maybe he was a sympathizer. Maybe, you know, he he did do something wrong or that they all did. Um, and um, yeah, the lead up to the actual test is really incredible. And and, and uh, it showed showed you just how proud they all were and like living in this town for a few years. just incredible. Like the, what, what they were able to accomplish. It really is. Um, and. I liked how they, you know, they show the elation of it because they had no idea what actually happened. You know, they didn't see the effects of it for a long time. And then once they go to the back half of the film, you could, they, they know the numbers, they know the destruction that happened and it's, it's, you know, um, they're living with it like every single day, uh, just like everybody in Hiroshima and Nagasaki are in Japan. Yeah. Do you think if they had realized that doing this was going to end up killing John Wayne and Marilyn Monroe, they would have kept going? No, definitely not. <laughs> okay. But then we wouldn't have like, you know, incredible art from like Japanese artists like Murakami and, you know, people like that now. If, wouldn't if, if we wouldn't Godzilla. have dropped them off. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's so th- th- just those this two things. It's totally worth it. Totally worth it. Just for, just for Murakami and Godzilla. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it um, eight out of 10 fat men and little boys. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Nathan? Uh, you know, I've had my conflicting history with Nolan, especially in these past couple, come like, you know, Tenet, I've looped back around on Dunkirk. I didn't like as much as a lot of people did. The Dark Knight Rises is an absolute mess, but has its small delights here and there. I think this is the film that his career feels like it's been building to ever since following. And this might be his strongest film. It's definitely his most mature film. I absolutely was enthralled from beginning to end. I loved the entire ensemble cast. I love movies about the process of doing something Mm -hmm. and so much of the process of building this bomb and the melancholy all throughout it and all the discussions by some of the best actors that you've ever seen and some actors that you're like, holy shit, I didn't know you had it in you. Uh, It just kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Uh, Oppenheimer is a fascinating figure and this movie did justice to him without glorifying him and without trying to be like, well, you should empathize with him far more than most other people and, you know, who were more deeply affected by the nuclear bomb. Mm -hmm. Uh, The sound is incredible as to be expected, but also the best sound design that he's probably ever had in a movie. Um, Yeah. I don't know. This, this kind of like blew me the fuck away. I uh, I think this might be his masterpiece. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I almost hesitate to do it, but I, I got to give this ten out of ten wow. uh, temporalities in time. <laughs> wow. I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this movie five years from now. I genuinely don't. I know it might be five years before I rewatch it. It's so fucking long. Yeah. But I do well, take five years to watch it. Yeah, again. Yeah. I, it'll be like now the director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> it feels long. like his JFK that he's right. going to have a director's cut that right. comes out. You know, um, I admire pretty much everything about it. I, I, but I there's a coldness to it, too. I think even when it's trying to involve it, invest itself more emotionally, in these characters, it's doing it from arm's distance the whole time. There's never a feeling like when it does get into a more emotional moments, most of which are 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 at least partially involving Emily Blunt's character. Uh, I don't feel that they, it really gets across at the end. It felt more of a, a very 
cold but beautiful scientific study of a man than one where I felt like I emotionally understood him. And mm. that very well could be exactly the point because that's kind of who Oppenheimer, I thought how he kind of looked at the world really. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful looking film. It's a beautifully acted film. I just don't know if I'm going to watch it again anytime soon. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give it uh, eight out of 10 uh, googly ass Rami, Ma- Rami Malik eyes <laughs> that he's like in the movie several times with like literally almost no dialogue. I thought he was not going to say anything. I know. And then he finally towards the end is like, comes out he's like all right kids make way i get to do the having thing. him, having him and dane thing. dehan in the same movie is like a lizard off <laughs> mark zuckerberg at the hearing also it's like this is why i won the oscar god damn it <laughs> oh this is just gonna become that much more argument for the rigelian theory now you know? <laughs> lizard men who control everything <laughs>